is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Into the Calgary zone, tied up by Osterley, comes loose to the point, Myers shoots, scores! Hughes broke it up and he'll lead the rush to center. Hughes left wing, nice pass for Bluger, in along for the backhand, he scores! With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Audrey cleared to the line, but Patterson held in, now it rolls into the slot, right to Gigi, stepping to the goal, he scores! Mia, a beautiful goal by Phil D. Giuseppe in alone on Jacob Markstrom. On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks win their final preseason game 3-1 over the Flames here in Vancouver. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. We are going to welcome in Randy Janda into the discussion coming up in just a moment's time. You, as always, get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. We'll interact with you for the next hour and break down everything we saw here tonight. Plus, we'll hear from head coach Rick Tockett as soon as that becomes available to us. And Bick, before we bring Randy into the discussion we've been talking about wanting to see as close to a 60 minute effort as possible because the coach himself impressed that point today saying we've had a good 40 minutes we haven't had great starts and you can say the Canucks best period was their second period yet again but overall I think in terms of trying to check some boxes heading into the season this was a pretty positive effort here from the Canucks that's a phrase we've been using throughout the course of the preseason and training camp check some boxes goal early so a good start yeah they maybe didn't carry the play in the first period uh, but that's what you want to see all the way through like there was a shift in in the third Miller PDG Ian Cole harassing the puck in the offensive zone forcing guys to turn back and constantly reassess regroup and they, they still the next person would jump in and pound the puck again all the way and then and then even right at the end like getting in Jacob Markstrom's kitchen yeah. that's that's what you want to see that's how you want to close out preseason I'd say the only negative for tonight's game Carson Soucy leaving in the second period getting injured we'll see if we get a status update on his situation but obviously not a good sign when a player gets hurt bit of an awkward fall into the boards you know his, his leg got caught underneath uh, Flames players so hopefully he's okay but we'll see ultimately what the coach has to say but Randy uh, what were your initial thoughts here of this 3-1 Canucks win over the Calgary Flames? By far the most complete effort we've seen in the preseason and Vic you mentioned about really hounding the puck in that third period I would agree from an offensive perspective the second period was complete but the third period the way they protected the lead mm-hmm. and they were able to just make Calgary uncomfortable and it wasn't just one line it no. was Teddy Bluger another monster effort tonight Hugh Suter was very strong in that regard too and I gotta say guys Ian Cole tonight was an absolute monster when it came to just making a smart play but being good with his stick being able to disrupt not only in the offensive zone where he pinches in and keeps the puck in but you start looking at that neutral zone, just ability to make a play. This is what you call an NHL defender. This is a guy that uses his stick so well. And I, I got to say, I really, really liked his game. And shout out to Noah Juleson, too. Because that hit on Matt Coronado, in a lot of ways, kind of changed this game. He was Coronado was buzzing in the first period. Didn't you hear a peep from him after that hit? And you could see the Calgary Flames weren't the same team after that, that time in that game. So there was a couple of efforts that I looked at and said, you know, these guys... They made a made an impression tonight. Cole, we knew who was going to be a top defender on this team. I think Juleson scored some points tonight. They just announced three stars. Demko, Hughes, PDG. Statistically, they understand why. Best player in the me was Ian Cole. Yep. Everything. Yeah. Right? You mentioned the keep at the blue line, feeding it to a guy. Little sauce, backhand sauce to put it to, I think it was Hughes Suter. Simple plays. Or yep. Blue Girl yep. that chance. Simple plays. And protecting the blue line. Stick goes out, pokes the puck free. Suddenly, Joshua's got a chance on the other side. Who who lifted it wide? But a, a clean look on the PK. I, I don't know if this is attributed to just Ian Cole and, and maybe a bunch of new faces. But even tonight, it, it's different when you're in the building to watch it than, than on TV. They were like, and not just on the PK. All the players were motioning at each other. You can hear them talking. Yeah. And I know this is a basic thing, but... You can hear it all the way up here. We haven't for the past couple yep. of years. And maybe it's because the new guys, maybe it's because of Rick Tockett. But like the basics, they're getting right right now. And to get to a stage, these are the things that were overlooked, steps yeah. that were skipped. And they were trying to play graduate level on a grade six education. 
and right now they're they're doing the basics to get to the spot of where they actually want to go. And you start getting that stuff right, that's how it looks. Like this is what progress looks like. Mm. Now I don't know if it means hey all this other thing is going to come, but these are the steps you're supposed to take at the beginning of the season. And it always felt like they skipped steps to say hey we got Flash, we got PD, we got Miller, we got Qs. It'll be fine. It'll sort itself out. You still have to reset and get this stuff right at the beginning of the season. And pregame, we did talk about, you know, when Taco was mentioning, hey, preseason training camp is going to be an education. There's going to be a lot of talking. There's going to be a lot of teaching. Tonight is kind of putting that all together. It doesn't necessarily mean that this is going to be a success in the regular season. I'm sure a lot of people out there hope so. But this is a good, you know, putting that foot forward to say, these are all the things we downloaded. And this is how you start to put it into, to you know, exercise it. And Ian Cole is one of those players. Uh, Philip Ronick, the more we see him, even the simple plays to take a half a second, yeah. not rush plays. Uh, guys, just the zone exits that he makes, the stretch passes, the ability to make that that play either under duress or just buy himself a little bit more time. You know, we're starting to see these new additions do very different things in a lot of ways, but do them so much better than we've seen in the past. And Carson Soucy, I know there's been a lot of talk about since Abbotsford, and you know he scores the goal, but yeah. first half of that game was not great to him. Overall, though, on the PK. So many good sticks. He really shines on the PK. So many now, good five sticks. Now, 5-on-5, I got yeah. my concerns. Yeah. But on the PK, like if, if you just want to make up the value, man, he is on it on the PK. He's really good on the PK. He's good along the walls, generally speaking. And one thing he does really well, and we saw this firsthand in Abbotsford, he stands up the blue. He protects the blue line yes. well. He stands guys up, has an active stick, good along the boards in that area, too. So even though he does have some weaknesses to his game, there are obvious strengths that this team lacks in critical areas. The big question is, what is his status going to be? And now he joins a second Canucks defenseman. Now he's a second Canucks defenseman who's injured now. Guillaume Brisebois yeah. got banged up. We're not sure what his status is. And, you know, for a team that's pretty close to the cap, like these little injuries, when you can't send guys down like Brisebois, it becomes a bit, you know, unless somebody goes on LTIR, you might start the season with six or seven defensemen, not eight, you know, because two guys will be on IR. You may not be able to call guys up. So that's, that's a pretty important thing we're going to look for in the next few days to see what the status is for those guys. But... I do see some positives in Carson Soucy's play, and we're not asking him to play big minutes, which I think makes his life a bit easier. That's the key, and, you know, one of the observations tonight is top three versus bottom three in terms of ice time. You had Hironik, Hughes, and Ian Cole, who was the only guy behind Quinn Hughes in terms of time on ice. Kind of what you'd expect, right? Yeah. And Carson Soucy, even though he got injured, he was trending to be in that bottom three alongside Tyler Myers and Noah Juleson. If they're all healthy, if they're all ready to go, that's kind of what you want. You want Heronic and Hughes and the value that Ian Cole is starting to show, how good he can be. Yeah, that's your top three. And, you know, I'm okay with Susie being in that 16-minute range, 17-minute range. Well, I- I'm with you, too. And, Bick, you were mentioning something about Ian Cole, like the confidence he had with the puck. But is it also an indication of he sees the pecking order and he's number three on this blue line? You know, you have Hughes, you have... Mm-hmm. Like, I-, I think he can tell, like... I'm comfortable in my spot. I'm comfortable spot. in my spot. And yeah. I also, like, I, they need more out of me. I, I don't, not, I mean, he keeps it simple, but I, I see a player who's even more engaged. You've seen him on, on better teams. He will take a supporting role, and he'll really kind of step back. But you put him on with Myers, he was very much, like, the inst- he was the initiator mm-hmm. on that deep area. And I think that shows you a little bit of something. And I also thought Myers found the right mix of when to roam, right? Because you know that, like, that's going to be a part of his game, and you have to let the players inject their own personality into the game. But tonight, and not just because he scored the opening goal, but yeah. just in mm-hmm. general, I, I, I found that he chose the right moments, and maybe it's because Cole's there and you feel a better sense of security and you don't need to push the tempo all the time, and you have a lead in this game. But I, I thought this was a really encouraging game for Myers, that if you get this version, then suddenly all these concerns start to go away. And, boys, we've talked about fit being such a key word when it comes to Tyler yeah. Myers, but the entire back end for this team... In one game, and we'll see how it goes once the games are real, the fit looked pretty good. And you know you're going to have that super pairing with Haronik and, and Hughes and what they can do. You imagine the ice is going to be tilted when they're on the ice. But the ability to have confidence in that second pairing is going to be vital for this team. And it just gives you so much more flexibility if you have confidence to say, hey, you know, Haronik and Hughes might play near 30 minutes on a certain night based on how much you need them. But you're you're still very confident in that second pairing, and today, anyways, we'll see how the season goes. You know, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl is a is a different proposition. Absolutely. It's going to provide some different challenges, 
But this definitely does instill some confidence in that back end. You can get away with the Hughes-Hronick pairing if Ian Cole's playing like that. Sure. Yeah. That's the thing, right? If, if There's a risk to it, obviously. But if that guy is playing like that and he can stabilize a pairing, suddenly you have less concern. Uh, about attaching those two guys together. Well, and, and yeah, and I still would say as the season goes on, especially situationally, if you're trailing, they'll probably mix things up a bit more and everything. And But for the first three games, I have no problem with this. No, I have no issues with it either. Like, and Start strong. You can, 100%. I mean, you need to get off to a good start as well. You can't you know, sink your season early on, and that's why the, the points do matter to a large degree. Do we name the second line the PDG line now? <laughs> <laughs> He's Somewhere, Dan Riccio's yelling at his radio right now saying, yeah, boy. So so he has five points in three preseason games. And if people are going to, you know, lose it over, you know, Zach Benson having a few points in the preseason. So, you know, he can lose it over PDG having a few points. And, you know, I'm kidding about, you know, the, naming it the PDG line. But he works his butt off. The coach always talks about it. And he was the most active player on that line tonight. Yeah, he was aggressive. Kind of what you're starting to expect now, which is going back last year, it was a big question mark of, hey, he's had some good training camps. So what is this guy? Is he an NHLer? In the last month, guys, he's shown that what he did last year, it was a non-playoff team. But at the very least, you know, there was effort there. Now he's showing some skill. There's an ability to finish. That pass that he gets from Brock Besser, good keep by Elias Pedersen in the offensive zone, moves it forward, and PDG scores there. But the first goal of the game, how does it start, right? Good pass up the wall, but... If he loses that battle along the wall, that's not a goal. JT Miller doesn't get the puck. It's those little things that's going to win over Rick Tockett every single time. So to me, when Ilya Mikheyev comes back, PDG's not going anywhere. Connor Garland's going to be dropped to the third line. I think PDG's on this line as long as he continues to play this way, guys. I, I don't want to be negative because I think there are a lot of positives happen. But you mentioned Connor Garland. I don't think Garland did anything today for you to be like, keep him there sure. instead of Mikheyev. Yeah. You know, I, I still think they need a four-checker on that line. And there was a nice shift in the... F- Second, yeah, they with a trio of them kind of held the puck, moved around, and a nice pass and move. But in general, uh, and tonight the line was you know, it was also one game where it's kind of like it's my only right? issue. They my were only, ill today, too. They were ill, too. Yeah, thing yeah, yeah, it's true, it's yeah. true 100%. The only thing is, I, again, I don't know if you ha- if you have too many guys that need the puck on their stick, that's you know, fair, and, yeah. and that's why I wonder sure. about it. But that's the only thing I wonder. You're right, Mikhaev comes in, I think that bumps Garland back down to that third line with Suter and, and, and Bavillia. And I think honestly, you put Bavillia, Suter, and Garland, I mean, together, yeah. it's a lot of money for your third line, you know, and, and maybe not a lot of usage on, on special teams. But but it's still like a, an effective five-on-five five line. It's a lot of money, but when you have a 775K second-line second line <laughs> that money has to get dispersed somewhere. On the aggregate, yeah. Right? It, it has to get get moved somewhere. Uh, the two lines that aren't going anywhere, the PDG line <laughs> and the Bluger line, right? Like, those yeah. two are locked in. Now, McKay, if you pencil in when, when he's healthy, back with Pedersen, Kuzmenko, uh, and McKay, and so suddenly it's like that line. It's like, well, Garland's got to play somewhere. Bouvillier. So it, things are once Mikheyev comes back, things suddenly kind of fall into place. I'm glad you mentioned the Bluger line, though, because Niels Oman playing on the wing with somebody who can take those defensive responsibilities looks like a different player in the sense that he's just in the middle of it a lot more. He doesn't have to worry about the defensive responsibilities. It doesn't have to worry about the faceoffs. You've got a, a rock-solid centerman with you on the, in the bottom six. He's in the middle of it, guys. Even today, there was a moment where I think Nazem Kadri and a few of the Calgary Flames were not happy with him. Niels Oman wasn't doing that last year when yeah. he was playing center. He's a little bit more engaged. He's got the confidence because he doesn't have to play down the middle, and he's got a really good center playing. First one on the spot, too, in the Bluger goal. Yeah. Stadnika yeah. goes into the crossbar. Who's the first one there? Niels Oman, right? We talked a simple thing. Communication earlier, stick up for your guys. That's a big shout for Nils Oman to be there in that spot. And, look, it's not that you have to win the scrum or anything like that. But just be there. But you've got to yeah. be there. Yeah. You've got to be there. And Nils Oman, first one there. Well, oftentimes we saw this team where something would happen and then people would fly by. Nobody would react. Yeah. Have a reaction. And I'm not big on you have to punch somebody in the face always. It's more about just... Like you said, Bill. back up your teammate. Back up your teammate. Yeah. Get in show there. Up. Show that hey, we're in this together. You take one guy down, you still got to face us. Pack you know? mentality. We yeah. were talking exactly. the other day, and we we're having a laugh on the on the show uh, yesterday because of the the, the Blue Jays Barrios thing. Right? Yeah, forty seven pitches. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, the the players have to still buy in. Yeah. Right. No matter what the plan is, the players still have to buy in. And we can disagree of how much the the scrums matter and all these sort of things. 
how much you need to protect her. But the players care about that stuff. Yeah. And when Nils Oman shows up first and fights for a teammate, 18 other guys are sitting there like, okay, cool. He's in it with us. And now suddenly they're bought in a bit more to each other. And by proxy, you're going to be buying into what the coach has to say. So, like, that's where it matters. Yeah, it does. I mean, and just in general, the uptick in physicality you need. The other game Pedersen played, obviously, tonight, you know, him and Kuzmenko have a viral issue, and they weren't quite at the level. Although, on the power play, I think we saw some good things sure. with Pedersen, obviously, and his, and his shot being able to get uncorked a few times. But how engaged have we seen him physically? Throwing big hits. against Edmonton able to throw two massive hits, right? He gets on top of players. So I think when you, when you are a team that does lack that, physicality and meanness in their forward group, it's going to have to be with everybody bringing it, everybody being hard to play against. And I think tonight, even though they're not a big physical team, this is a template you have to take into the regular season to be a hard team to play against. Relentless puck pursuit, win board battles, get in there if something happens to protect your teammates or, or show up and make life difficult for your opposition. That's how you have to. You have to be a nuisance to play against because you're not going to go out there and, and over-physical and intimidate teams. Well, going back to the first preseason game and against Calgary, remember Calgary was very cutthroat in that game. They were very direct. They didn't care who they were playing. They were going to take care of what they were doing. They were very physical at the beginning of that game. The Canucks brought it tonight. Yeah. And Matt Coronado, I know he's one of Bix's favorite players going back to his draft year. I, I love I love what he's done this preseason, yeah. but today That's a player, man. the Canucks identified that this guy's trying to crack the roster and if his head is down and Nikita Z- uh, Zadorov gives him a bad pass that he's looking at his skates, guess what? We're going to launch him, right? And Noah Juleson does that. Final seconds of the game, Dakota Joshua acknowledging that weakness that this is a young player and we're going to take advantage of that. That's what you need. That's what you need in games like that. And you're sending a message. So it's that pack mentality of just being aggressive, mm-hmm. being physical in your own way. It doesn't always have to be a fight. To your point, those board battles, that play through the neutral zone, that was a physical brand of hockey. You want to go ask the Calgary defensemen and how they were yeah. able to even exit their own zone, how you know forwards were not be able to generate speed. Take away their time and space. That's, That's exactly hard to play against. Yeah. Just execute the simple stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, This game shouldn't be complicated. It's not that complicated. You execute yeah, the simple stuff and work hard. Opportunities will present themselves. Good night. Good night. Let's see if they can continue it to uh, Wednesday. Well, that's going to be the big thing. And before we let you go here, Randy, is this the roster we see game one against Edmonton, what we saw tonight? Yeah. Well, we got to watch for the Susie uh, injury. Other than that, I like what I saw. The top six to me is, you know, Connor Garland, Bavillier, and I feel like we'll see on the Hoaglander front. But I think that spot until McKayev gets back is might be a rotation. Like, what have yeah. you done for me lately, right? Um, outside of that, I think so. I think... The suitor line, probably with Garland on it at some point, is going to be something that we see a little bit more. But to your point, Bick, don't touch that fourth line. Don't touch that JT Miller line, a.k.a. PDG's line. PDG line. But there might be some interchangeability between Garland and Bavillier on the top line. No, absolutely. And and we'll see ultimately how that that all comes together. But the Canucks finished their preseason on a high note in what's been a pretty down preseason so far with... Two wins, but they get that final victory, which is always a nice thing to end it on. Randy, great stuff as always, my friend. We look forward to chatting with you on Wednesday when the Canucks are back at Rogers Arena, this time for real, hosting the Edmonton Oilers. It's for real and... Uh, Sad. I also gave Gianfranco Zola a reference on the show. Oh, you did? Oh, Chelsea legend. Chelsea legend. By uh, Kuzmenko reminded me of the Uh, famous goal. So there you go. I gave gave Chelsea a shout out even though I didn't want to. Even as an Arsenal fan. Respect. Much respect, Randy. But that's Randy Janda. Keep getting your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber Text inbox, 650-650. And and we'll get to your thoughts here as the show goes on. And, you know, building off of, you know, our discussion there about the back end, too, and Carson Soucy getting injured, uh, Tyler Myers... I remember we talked about this, I think it was like maybe a month or so back. Um, and one of the discussions we had were around all the trade rumors around Myers, right? People wondered, is that deal going down with San Jose for Kemal LeBanc? Like, what's going on? Is it just a matter of his bonus getting paid? Are they trading Myers in September? And all I kept hearing was, no, they're not trading Myers. If that happens, it's later in the season. It's, it's not about now. And if anything, they feel pretty good about him being able to fit in with a more structured role and that people around Myers said he's very motivated in a contract season too to not only prove he's still a good player but also you know let's let's earn a bit more here before I'm done in the National Hockey League and especially when you see a dearth of any righty defensemen that are effective around the league and, and the need for them and even average ones getting paid you have a decent season and you can you know you're not getting six times five 
six million per per year over five years, like last time. Erica Branson just got four by four not too recently. But there you go. Like, do you get three or four million for a couple of years if you have a decent year? So there's a lot of motivation in Tyler Myers. But I would say, like, if he keeps it simple the way he did it tonight, playing alongside Ian Cole, I want to see it in the regular season. But that's kind of what we're waiting to see from him. And for all the people kind of turning the gears on their head, saying, oh, so he, he's only after the money. But look, I, I, I don't care what your motivation is so long as you execute. Yeah. Not everyone's sitting here and thinking Stanley Cup every year, right? Like these are these people's jobs. Not everyone is motivated the same, same way. As much as we would all sit here and be like, yeah. oh, if I was in the NHL, I would want the Stanley Cup. It's just not like when you live it, it's different. It's just the reality. For, for, for 700 plus players, it's a job, right? Some of them are after the money. But if you're in a stage right here and it's like, hey, I got one more year, I got this opportunity to, to, to get one more big contract, who cares whatever his motivation is? He plays a certain standard, everyone's going to forget about that. So disabuse yourself of that notion of, oh, I don't trust this guy because of this. If, if it works for this year, and the Canucks have to make a lot of things work. If this is a, another checked box, so this guy is motivated, he can take you to February, and you can work out the, everything thereafter, uh, I, I care less about what a player's motivation is, no, so I'll, long as he is motivated. Listen, all I care about, especially for this year, is can they get a group of 20, 18 skaters every single night playing good, effective hockey, and can he be a part of doing that and helping this team win? I don't care what your motivation is. Do that for this season, and then we'll see what happens beyond that. Uh, keep getting your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Bick, let's get a couple of these in before we hit the break at the top, and we'll get to head coach Rick Tockett on the other side as well. This one from Stu on the Island. Randeep is bang on. It's only a preseason, but that fourth line played a textbook third period. Oman played a big part of that. That's Stu on the Island, and I think that's obviously true. They played really good in terms of their puck pursuit and relentlessness. You saw the defensive value in having them as a line two and having Teddy Bluger uh, be able to not only, I'd say, be good on the forecheck and be good defensively, like, I think he also is very smart in guiding his players. You see him communicate with his skaters a lot on the ice. Like He's a very smart guy, and I think he helps direct his wingers to be effective as well. Like I think there's a lot of positives there from the way he plays. The, the play I mentioned when he scored his goal is you watch it. And watch, obviously, Quinn Hughes is the highlight here because he oh, I mean, navigates yeah. the it's space, yeah. works through contact. And, and when Quinn Hughes gets to the neutral zone and breaks wide... Osterley has to go with them, right? Because yeah. Quinn has passed all the forwards, and so suddenly Osterley's got to engage with them. And right when Quinn Hughes goes to break left, you look at Bluger in the middle of the ice, he shoulder checks, and he looks at Zadorov, who his eyes are on the winger, and so Zadorov doesn't fill in the space in the middle. And suddenly Bluger just goes, like, eyes open up, it, yeah. and goes right into the hole. And that's the trust element of like, Quinn Hughes is going to make this play to me every single time. Yes. And stick on the ice, hit the hole, boom, there goes that pass. And suddenly, like, you're, you're breaking the angle of Zadorov and, and Jordan Osterley, and you're going to be through on goal. The fact that he's scanning on the ice and, and not just going through a motion, uh, that to me is, is, is a guy that's looking for opportunities. And, you know, he's mentioned he thinks he can score goals, uh, score more. Patrick Alvin thinks he can score more. Like, I, I think there's a probably a, a ceiling of 10 there. But if you're talking about 10 from Teddy Bluger, Hey, is there 14, 12 coming from P.U. Suter? Is there 16 coming from Anthony Bavillier? Yeah, like there is a concern of depth scoring. But like the threshold for a collective of them, if they can get to double digits, like I I don't think a lot of people are projecting eight goals for Teddy Bluger. No, and I mean, this is something that he himself, like we had discussions with him after he signed and we had a sit down with him at training camp and he mentioned how he's very motivated to score more. If you look at his scoring rates, goal scoring rate, throughout his NHL career outside of last year. He's always been on pace for like 10, 11 goals, 12 goals in a season. He hasn't been able to play a full 80 effectively to get there, and he said he believes that he can score more goals, but if he has instincts like that and he has a decent finish, plays a full year, you get more than double-digit goals from a center like that, plus good defensive value. That's something this team has been missing in a big way in their bottom six. Uh, 650-650. Keep coming with the comments. Uh, This one, uh, Myers with limited minutes is what we needed. Salary aside, he's a solid third-pair demon. That's from Jabbar in Richmond. And also uh, this one, you have to keep Quinn and Hronik together. I'm telling you guys, I believe they should trade for another D-man, and we should be okay. But Hronik and Quinn need to play together. Yeah, I mean... uh 
still want to see a bit more. I thought they had good moments. I also thought they had some clunky moments. I think when you put two guys of that caliber, and especially Quentin with his caliber, I don't think it's always simple in terms of them figuring stuff out. Like I think, especially with both guys like to handle the puck and, and try to figure out, especially with, I think, Quinn, because of how much he freewheels, and I don't mean this in a negative way, I do think there has to be this, this conscious like notion of, I have to take a step back at times. I know Luke Shen spoke about this, but it's like, I'm Luke Shen, obviously. like I'm going to take a step back. But I think with a guy like Philip Aronik, who's also used to like being, being the guy that goes, I think it's going to take some time for them to really figure mm-hmm. things out. But I do see the upside, obviously, in them the working it's, together. It's them figuring it out. Yes. It means like a supercharged yes. pairing. Yes. This is not like, oh, we got to figure it out just to survive. This is, if they figure it out. They can be dominant. Th- they could be one of the five, six best pairings in the league. Yeah. And so like, I'm, I'm willing to have some patience. So long as the baseline isn't poor, which I don't think it will be. The baseline would be like, hey, we're surviving, we're... We're, we're presenting opportunities for our forwards. The upside is, as I mentioned, top five, top seven pairing in the league. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, let's hit a couple more texts before we get out of here. 650-650. Uh, Sabres, Rob, watching Demko post game Doesn't look like he needs a shower. Good sign on shot suppression. And you know what? This is something we've outlined. Despite the fact that Canucks haven't been great this preseason, take the first game out, the 10 nothing loss in Calgary. The other four games leading up to tonight... They've been very good in terms of not falling apart structurally. You know how we talked so much about last year? You know, they would try to do somebody else's job. They open up these huge lanes. Players wouldn't have their sticks in the right lanes, and these cheap goals would happen. Easy, cheap goals would happen. It would be a fire drill on their own end with the amount of running around they would do. That has been largely absent so far. I think that's a big positive. And I think, generally speaking, like a game like tonight... Outside of a few moments, Demko didn't really have to go post to post a lot, or he wasn't really he wasn't really put out into tough situations a great deal. Uh, of course, uh, and, and just looking at the puck possession metrics here, um, we get our access to the puck tracking data. Uh, Canucks had the puck in the offensive zone fifteen minutes and forty six seconds. Flames had it in eleven minutes. And 32 seconds. Now, aided by some extra power plays, of course. But nevertheless, uh, as far as owning the play and suppressing opportunities for your opposition, Calgary had to make it work in 11 minutes in the offensive zone. Not very much. No, not, not a ton. It was a good It was good forecheck by Vancouver as well. And we'll break that down a bit more on the other side. Keep getting your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. We'll get to those thoughts and the head coach, Rick Tockett, after a 3-1 Canucks win over the Calgary Flames right here on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Mackenzie Weaver forced back to it on the end boards. Chased down by Besser. Got it loose to Kadri. Cleared to the line, but Patterson held in. Now it rolls into the slot right to Giuseppe to the goal. He scores! Mamma mia, beautiful goal by Phil D. Giuseppe in alone on Jacob Markstrom. And the Canucks make it 3-1 with 47 seconds left in the second. And he keeps proving the naysayers wrong. There's more skill than people anticipated. And Dan Richo's been saying that for months, perhaps years. Canucks win 3-1 over the Calgary Flames, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the Home of Your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Like, rarely does a PDG <laughs> mention go more than five seconds without Riccio's name. No. It, it, it's, it's, it's Honestly, it's it's nonstop in the text inbox. Matt and Delta, does Riccio have any idea as to what he's going to try to get for PDG on his next contract since he's his agent? So we got that in. Carmichael from Burnaby. Oh, how bad do we think? Uh, how bad do we think was the spill at the Riccio household when PDG scored? How many pasta fagioli were, were wasted? That's Carmichael from Burnaby, and, and it's like nonstop with people texting in about Riccio and and Field of Giuseppe. This, like this is the best pairing in in Vancouver since yeah. the Twins. <laughs> Honestly. It was ordained. You should have seen the two at training camp together, the way they hit it off. And if you missed it, oh, yeah, the like podcast I, I is available. We, you saw the it's, there's a video, and and I don't know why. Honestly, I don't know why we haven't posted the video of 
of Field of Giuseppe and Dan Riccio chatting before we went on here. Like, we have the audio. You don't, we have the video. We don't have the audio because we weren't recording. It was off the record. But watch that clip whenever it does come out. I promise it will be out one day. So great. Despite whatever my producers tell me is possible, it isn't possible. It'll be out one day. And I put it on record, Josh, so it's going to be out. When you look at those two men... There's Bond. so many references in the inbox. It's over. I'm telling you. It's done. That's it. I just looked. All right. Uh, Pardeep oh. says, well, I enjoy Big dropping a Ross Geller. I'm fine every now and then. It's nice to catch a postgame show after a solid win. It feels like Teddy Bluger will be the pick of the season for the Canucks. He adds so much depth to a bottom six and does a lot of stuff in the bottom six that has been missing and at a solid price point. point, $1.9 But, you know, like... For his play on the PK, defensive value, and to the point Pardeep makes, they were sorely lacking a legitimate defensive center that can do those things and especially help the PK. Do I say I'm fine a lot? Well, something we joke around about the whole I'm fine. We're fine. Oh, like you yeah. say, like, you know how, how yeah, people, yeah, how people okay. wonder, is like, how do you guys do the job when the Canucks suck? Like, <laughs> I feel bad for you. You're like, no, I'm fine. Like, we, we like... Like we we don't mind we love doing the job and oh. so I think that that's he was more than him. fine as Teddy Bluger. Uh, look, yeah. as soon as they made the signing, I was like, this guy's defensive hound. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, and it is very pleasant to see uh, someone view the game through the lens of defense. Yes, he's in the right spot all the time. Sticks in the right lane. Like you notice that more on the PK rather than more like in yeah. motion in flight. Five on five, but man, like he is so focused on kind of being there for his teammates and making sure he's kind of the fulcrum where everything works around defensively. Yeah, and doesn't overexert himself, doesn't put himself out of position, just is there for his guys when, when there's a loose puck and it looks like someone's going to win it. Show some support, help facilitate the play out of the zone. He, he's he's living up to his billing so far on a on a rather value deal. Yeah, he's been he's been very solid. Uh, let's continue on the text inbox real quick. This one for Knucklehead and Kootenai. Love the physicality of Dakota Joshua. That's what Talkett wants to see. And as far as what the head coach thought about the game, here he is after a three one victory to close out the preseason over the Calgary Flames. Yeah, I just thought the depth, um, like all four lines were, you know, I thought played well. The we went down to five. I thought they really managed the game well. Um, got some good efforts from a lot of guys in different lines. Thought we checked pretty well in the neutral zone. You mentioned going down to five defensemen. Do you have an update <clears throat> on Susie? Yeah, I haven't talked to the doctors yet. Uh, I'm not sure how, you know, I don't think it's that bad, but, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll see what's going on. In the past, this has been a team that would get leads and not be able to protect them. <clears throat> Were you pleased with how quiet and how calm the third period seemed in that regard? Yeah, game management, you know, uh, just take what's given. You know, we talked about, you know, not, we don't want to, you know, you don't want to go, you know, one, four and back off. I, I'm not talking about, but it's just game management. You know, little things, you know, you've been out there for 40 seconds, you got nothing, you got to get a deep. In the past, maybe we toe drag a guy or try something different. So I felt the game management was really good, and that's what we have to continue. Was there anything in particular you were? looking to see tonight did you learn anything extra about your team going into wednesday just chemistry the, the four lines um i thought i thought we were really good with our sticks i thought Suter and, and teddy um really had a lot of smart hockey out there you know knowing to be over top guys at the right time when calgary makes a push i thought they did a nice job of just making that little subtle play so i learned a, a, that we knew we knew about those guys doing that but I thought the chemistry on the lines were pretty good. You know, I thought most guys were were pretty good tonight. Just you mentioned the neutral zone. What what makes it effective when you guys are on there? <clears throat> well, I, I hate. I should say hate. I don't like when we skate backwards and defend. You have to skate forward to defend, and I think we get in trouble. You'll see is when we have to, you know two forwards skating backwards. That's when you get in trouble. You have to skate forward to defend in this league. Surf up. You know, fish hooks, whatever you want to call it, and I think when we do that, um, you know, I think we're we're good in that neutral zone. It's, it's it's when we back up and we backward skate. That's when teams kind of they skill their way through us. Uh, so that's what I'd like to see is more of that. You know, getting up in their face, surfing, and just skating forward. It's okay to defend skating forward. Yeah, taking space away. Uh, you know, if you're and if you're late and you're backward skating, then you're really in trouble. 
Um, when you talk about uh, about chemistry in the lines, we've talked about like the Miller line being the big matchup line, and uh, now you've got Phil DiGiuseppe, yeah. you know, right up there with two more points again tonight, and really sort of seizing the moment. How how happy have you been with what he's shown this last couple of weeks? Yeah, um, Deej is the type of guy. He's, he's a survivor. He just keeps on. You know, every he, every day, every day he comes to the rink, he's trying to learn. And even at twenty, as he twenty eight or twenty, whatever he is, he just keeps on grinding. Um, Patience too, you know that's what he's working on now. You know, knowing that he's playing with uh, you know a couple offensive players, if he gets it, you don't always have to throw it in. Now he's working on his part of his game, um, but also having like Teddy and, and Suter out there, not have to overplay Millsy in, in our own end and stuff like that really helps. Gives them more juice on the offensive side. And I guess uh, penalties were not as much of an issue tonight, but uh, PK yeah. is looking probably yeah. where you want it to be. Yeah, we got some. You know, we got. Seven or eight guys that can PK for us. That's that's huge. Um, that's one positive out of the camp we've had so far. You know, knock on wood, we got to keep this penalty kill going. I, I like the attitude and I like the structure of it. Mike Yo's doing a nice job, um, you know, teaching what we want. Um, so, hey, listen, you, you know, you got to try certain things in preseason, but I think the penalty kill's done a nice job. Rick, uh, what were your first impressions of playing? A pair of Hughes yeah. and Heronic together, at least until the third, when you had to put things in a blender. <laughs> well, a lot of patience. Like, you know, obviously, those two together, pretty smooth. You know, Huggy and uh, a lot of possession time. You know, when you pl- as a forward, when you you have those two guys back there, you know you're going to get you're going to get the pass on an outlet pass, or you're going to get something in the offensive zone, whether it's a shot pass or some kind of play. Um, you know. They're good together. Um, do we keep together? That's the big question. You know, do we got to? We'll see how it shapes out. But obviously, those two tight, those two guys together really help out the offensive side for Forrest. They get they get pucks in great situations. You mentioned that uh, Guillaume Brisebois was a little bit banged up. Do you have any further update? Uh, you know, I don't want to ask you for a timeline and hold you to it or anything. But do you have any further update on? I I haven't. Um, to be honest, you no. Know, um, you know. He got hit there at the end by Tanner, remember? Uh, so it's um, I, I, I I hate to say it's dated. I don't know, um, but um, we'll see. I, you know, I honestly don't know. What did you think of Noah Juleson tonight? You gave him an opportunity to go in. Seemed like he had a physical presence in the game at the very least, and, and distributed the puck pretty well. Yeah, what I like about Noah, like I thought he struggled early. And then he got that big hit, and then he just settled in. I thought he did it right. I like, you know, guys, you know, sometimes you're going to have a tough start or a couple of shifts don't go your way, um, and you bounce back. I thought he really had a really good second and third. You know, I think he struggled early, and, you know, he didn't. He hasn't played in a while. Uh, you know, it's been a long training camp. But he hasn't played some exhibition games, but I thought uh, he really settled in, especially at the 5D. We, we managed the game really well, but he did a nice job. With uh, DiGiuseppe and Blue are both kind of more defensive players. Yeah. They get in alone and they have that finish at the net. Is that something that's nice to have yeah. that you know that there's that your depth can have some nice touch around the net? It's huge. I mean, if you can get your bottom six to score some goals, it's it's just it's huge, right? Uh, or at least, you know, I said like if your bottom six is not scoring, you got to play neutral. You can't be scored against and. Uh, those guys aren't getting scored against, and they're scoring. I mean, that's the plus. But yeah, how, and you know, it gives them confidence too. You know, Deej has a little bit of confidence now. You know, and, and Teddy's scoring. I think he had a couple of chances in this camp. It loosens you up. Um, but um, yeah, it's nice to see those guys score, and they, they deserve it because they're playing they're playing hard for us. You've tried a number of wingers with Pedersen and Kuzmenko. Garland gets a try this this game. What did you think about his play on that top line? And do you think you have found the right solution for who's going to play with them on opening night? Well, we're still moving people around. I, I thought Petey was really good tonight. Um, Kuzi's dealing with some. He didn't feel. He hasn't felt good the last couple of games. So I, you know, he Kuzi wasn't himself the last few games, uh, last few days. So I don't think he was that good. And in the sense, I think he was kind of sick. Um, and Gars, um, I thought he tried, but I thought Petey really pulled that line together. Uh, I thought he was really good tonight. Now we're through with the preseason and camp. I know you have some more practices before the yeah. games count, but do you feel like you accomplished what you wanted to over the course of you know <clears throat> where we've been to to this point? Uh, yeah, um, there's, we're always learning. 
game management is something that we still got to continue to press um, our staples. I, I really, we really, you know, we really did a lot of video today uh, or yesterday and today about getting in front of people. And I thought it's probably the best this so far where we got in front of people and our breakouts were better. And um, it works if we do it. It's hard. It's hard work. It's hard to skate that extra two feet to get in front of somebody. It's hard to do these things, but it's hard to win, right? So, you know, you can't do it every once in a while. That's the key. Can we do it consistently? And, you know, we're going to have to play this way. We got Edmonton back to, uh, two games in a row, and we're going to have to play a certain style against that team where we're in their face and get in front of them because, you know, McDavid, you know, he's lighting it up already in preseason. <laughs> Is there any utility from your perspective to getting that win before sort of the weekend and, and before you get into the game that counts next yeah, Wednesday? Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, we needed a, a good, solid effort to win. Yeah, of course. You know, people look at the record preseason. If you you know you lose this game, it's like, oh, here we go. But I think it makes guys relax a little bit. But it's also makes it what we're preaching. It works if you do the right thing. It's a preseason game, you know. Um, you know, Calgary's a good hockey club, um, and it was one of those games where you can get a little bit of confidence. I wouldn't be—we're not ordering the rings or anything because we want a preseason game. But I will say that I will say that we we liked our effort. Now we have to work on it again the next day. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a three-one win over the Calgary Flames, and um, you he's know, not ordering the rings. Man. He's, he's not got jokes. Yeah, he does have jokes. I mean, you know, he sounded. Relative, or, or you know, generally positive about the performance the team had, and he liked how they played, and obviously said you can't get ahead of yourself. You got to wait to the regular season, like we've been mentioning as well. A lot of positives, but we'll you see what happens on Wednesday. Next thing. Exactly, and when we've been talking about how, and he's been talking about how he hasn't seen enough from the team this preseason, it was good to have a relatively complete performance to end things off before the regular season begins on Wednesday. And I like that he mentioned the, the game management part, but also just take what's given to you, right? We've mentioned forcing defensive plays and getting caught out of your position and, and, and trying to force a turnover, even though you're late to a play. But oftentimes, previous years, we've yeah. seen them try to force something offensively. Perhaps most notably JT Miller, right? Throwing a pass that's, oh, that wasn't really there. In middle of the ice oftentimes. And, and trying to do too much. Yeah. Tonight was a, and, and I would say most of the preseason, even though, you know, sometimes the chances haven't been there and the overall shot count's been a bit lower. But that, that mentality of take the ice that they want to put you in and then you can create from there. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that he mentioned that, you know, take what's given to you. Yeah, we can work our opportunities from the space that we can find, but we don't need to go force them, force the play into positions where they already are, and now we're caught in transition. So it's going to be a thing. Like if we're talking about a team that's not as fast across the league, like relative to some of the other teams, you can't get caught in speed races. No, you can't. So so manage the puck. If if you hold onto the puck and get it in deep. You can you, like even if you turn the puck over, turn it two hundred feet away from your net. Well, exactly, and that's make why. Them, yeah, like make them turn to go get it. Well, and that's you know when you even it's, that's a simple thing when he mentions about Kuzmenko. If you want to do a spin, do it in the offensive zone. Mm-hmm. Don't do it in your own zone. It's the same thing. Like it's about and he mentioned how we liked the, the puck game management tonight, the decisions that they made, and you know we got this text that came in a bit earlier about. Um, Shout out to the new Canuck Forum. This was the uh, Elaine Vigneault trap hockey, hockey from mid-2000s, and I'm fine with it. Signed Matt texting that in. Uh, gives a shout out to new Canucks Forum as well. But I don't know if it's trap hockey necessarily, but it is a lot of – it's a lot more low event hockey. Yeah. If it's effective, people will gladly sign up for this. And I'll pitch it to everyone else, 650-650. Uh, if they play like this – Again, it was it was, it was a, a game for hockey purists. Yes. If, if you just want to sit here and be entertained, okay, maybe like you, you got the win and a couple of goals for the home team. But it, it wasn't, wasn't this end-to-end action. Yeah. But if it wins, everyone's going to be entertained by it. Yeah, and you still had some good moments. And, you know, the skills shown through on the power play a number of times. Pedersen did his thing a little bit, got a couple shots off. You know, Quinn Hughes gave you a couple of moments. Yeah, it's not as breathtaking as some of those high-scoring games you saw last year, but how many games did you also see last year where they were run out of the building? Yep. 
and they had no chance in it. And it's like, you're probably going to die more than you live playing that style. And, and you mentioned just, hey, defending forward. It's getting forward with your defense rather than uh, being passive with it and skating backwards. So that, that element's going to come into play. And I do want to mention this because I was thinking about, okay, if you're going to be low event five on five, where are you going to try to create goals? Yeah. Okay. And so I was thinking not just because the power play has to be well run and score goals uh, and be efficient. Will we see more urgency in the power play? Because, hey, we're not getting a lot of shots five on five. We've got to create these chances to score goals somehow. And it is something that popped in my head a couple of days ago. And then just seeing it tonight, small sample size. Don't want to confirm some priors here. But nine shots on the power play. And with the movement, like Pedersen was getting his shots off at different locations. Miller moved from the left circle to the top of the, one, of the right circle, got a one-timer, healed it. But I, I'm curious if the, the first power play is going to be more urgent. Because, hey, if we're low event on 5-on-5, five five, we have to get the puck towards the net on the power play. Yeah, absolutely. And you did see a lot of more direct play on the power play generating chances as, as opposed to moving the puck around too much. And I mean static. I, I think puck movement is good. But when you used to go from you know left wall to the point, left wall to the point, back and forth three times, you're not really generating a mm-hmm. lot of movement. So it's not about how many times you pass the puck. It's how much movement you can generate when you're moving the puck. Um, a lot of good text messages and thoughts are coming in, 650-650. Yeah, a lot of people saying that they'll sign up for this. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And, and why wouldn't you? I mean, Keith says, I didn't expect myself saying, wow, this is a strong defensive team. Um, and this one says, you could really see that up ice pressure, a good handful of fish hooks. And, you know, the coach mentioned fish hooks. And, well, and, and that means like that you get in and, and you pin a guy against mm-hmm. the wall and you, and you you stop the puck there. And then if you can go and win it and create from that point, now you you know, you know caught a fish. You, you got it, right? So. so uh, saying there were some great forechecking shifts, yeah. led to some chances. I will take this every day of the week. Yeah, no, absolutely, 100%. Um, he mentioned, though, talk it, that he's not going to be ordering any rings. Mm-hmm. But jokes per 60, maybe the joke of the day so far. Spiritual advisor, just sitting in my car at the A&W drive-thru, I'm definitely ordering the rings. <laughs> Well played. Well strong. played. Strong, strong text message. Yeah, you know, people. Are, hey, you know, listen. Our text inbox is finishing the preseason strong. And the Canucks finished the preseason strong. So it is it's a lot be of positive, though, because some of the jokes were so good because of the content provided was rife with opportunity to make yeah. jokes. If, if they play low event hockey and, and win some games, people are gonna have to evolve their jokes as well. Yeah, exactly. You have to evolve. It's about evolution. We want to see the best out of everybody. So when we challenge, compete, yeah. compete, compete hard to get onto the text inbox. Uh, six fifty, six fifty. Now, before we go back to that, let's quickly run through the three goals the Canucks scored tonight, Bick. And you know, the first goal was Tyler Myers getting the Canucks on the board, mm-hmm. and a lot of good on that play. But something I know you've outlined quite a bit, especially around Field of Giuseppe, and we'll get to his actual goal coming up in a minute. But not only does he win a puck battle, he also makes a pass in the offensive zone. He keeps the puck moving. And it's a simple, hard, gritty play. But that simple act of winning that puck after a good play by Thatcher Demko to get the puck up and then getting it to JT Miller is what, what allows that chance to happen. Yeah, let's go through it all. Uh, Demko, you know, out to, to Ian Cole, who waits no time, just spins and hits it yeah. up the ice because he knows PDG's there on the blue line. And, and who more reliable than PDG to skate to the wall, invite pressure, spin off a guy, slide it to someone like JT Miller? Look, that's what PDG does. Yeah, like, that's why I signed the homework assignment the other day yeah. uh, on Saturday against the Oilers. It's like, hey, let's just watch PDG, what he does at the offensive zone. You know, we always talk about traits. You don't have to be great at a lot of things. But if you're really good at one thing, a coach will say, okay, I can work with this. Yeah. A dude who just knows how to put a guy on his hip and just keep his hands separate from his body and, and just, like, you can't get the puck. No. And so Petey just, just slides it over to JT Miller. Now, okay, JT Miller can be creative. And you see Brock Besser go towards the net and players flow that way. And there's a nice little backhand sauce to Tyler Myers coming downhill, oncoming traffic, and suddenly Flames defenders who went with Brock have to stop. Here comes Myers, and Brock's all alone in front, gets to set a screen, doesn't get pushed around. And you go through this, and it's Demko to Cole to PDG to Miller to Myers. Brock is featuring. Everyone's part of the play. Yeah. It's all six guys played a role in that goal. Yeah. Uh, and, and when you create that, I mean – 
getting Demko involved, you don't always get that, but mm-hmm. it was a heads-up play by him to generate the whole thing. But it's like it's having everybody engaged, right? And you and Besser tonight. I thought he had some moments, but I think he was good around the corners for the most part. He was good getting to net, not only on that play, but also on the power play a number of times. So I thought he had a generally good night in, in the hard areas tonight for the Vancouver Canucks. The Canucks' second goal, Bick, uh, was scored by Teddy Bluger. And you ran through this a bit earlier, but just quickly, um, that goal happens because Quinn Hughes, well, he does pretty magical things. Uh, we're not even going to do justice um, to, 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 to what he did on that play. Uh, activates really quickly, takes the puck... Uh, from behind the net, and or, or a pass from behind the net, and it just I see space. I can break this angle. I'm going to work through contact, and I'm going to draw some guys out. And he, he, he starts from the right circle, gets through the the defensive zone, takes it to the left side mm-hmm. of the ice in the neutral zone, and, and drags Oshley with him. Bluger pops in in the middle and uh, does his work with a nice. Uh, would you call it on Twitter? Deft touch. It was a deft touch. Deft yeah, touch. It was a deft touch yeah. by Teddy Bluger. Uh, and then Phil DiGiuseppe, he finishes things on, salting this one away, three one for the Canucks. And who else to finish the game with a goal tonight? Now, what do you say about PDG at this stage? I, I don't know. I know that people are talking about Dan Riccio though. Like this one, PD Riccio. Uh, Tone says, is it bad that every time I see it, PDG make a great play, I wonder how proud Dan must be in that moment? <laughs> no, no, I think we all, all we do the same thing. It's, it's, it's not at all. It, it, it's a fair comment to make. And I, I, I generally just like, at what point do you say, like, hey, this kind of is like what a, a top six forward is meant to do, right? And it, it, it's an odd play, but it, it all comes from like Brock Besser's hard work to create a little bit of a forecheck. And I think it was Uyghur that kind of just hacks the puck away just because Brock's right on. Yeah. And suddenly this bouncing puck goes to the blue line. It, it, just, it just kept in by Ian Cole, who, who does a great job by, at, like, finding the uh, midpoint of that. Oh, sorry, was it uh, Lise Pedersen kept it in? I think it was Pedersen. Yeah, it was Pedersen. Yeah. Sorry, I was thinking of another play by yeah. Ian Cole, which we can touch on as well because Ian Cole. Was well, fantastic. he was tremendous tonight. Yeah, yeah. but but Pedersen keeps it in, and I, I think it goes off Bester's heel or something like that, and it just pops out and PDG's on it again, man. When you're in the right spot, puck will find you. Yeah, exactly, and, and that's why the coach is so enamored with the guy. And like this text message here, you guys are going to have to change the name to PDG Central. I love it, and, and he's getting love. You know, before it was we we spoke about Field yeah. Giuseppe, and it was like, why are you guys talking about this guy? Who's PDG? What's a PDG? And now the market, well, they're starting to buy in. Now, it is the preseason. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see what happens in the regular season. But a lot of what happened tonight is transferable. Well, that's the thing. Exactly. And these are the things you want to see. And Brandon mentions it is a low bar because last season he says anything resembling competent hockey feels like a massive like massive progress and it is to some extent. I mean, it was so like how many times do we rant about like are these like these are NHL professionals. Like, why are they making mistakes even peewee kids don't make? Like, what's going on here? And going from that to where we are today, it, it is an improvement, at least from a defensive standpoint. Um, any more text here you want to get in, Bick? We have a couple more minutes to go on the postgame show. Uh, 650, 650, Keith has a player over broken out at age 29. <laughs> uh, this one, uh, one we got earlier. I'm really feeling like Garland and Besser are just filling places currently. Look, this roster is still going to be... In progress. Oh, yeah. So it's a fair statement. But in the meantime, what can they contribute? And do they look like perfect fits? No. Um, long-term fits? Probably not. But right now, they can be contributing members for a team that intends to go to the playoffs. Yeah. And you're going to need to see production out of both of them. But as far as long-term fixtures, I, I certainly... Uh, agree with the texter, but what can they do for you in the here and now? No, and uh, and that's the big thing, especially for the team where they are right now. Uh, we do have somebody on the phone line. We're going to get to here quickly as well. Uh, we'll get to a couple more text messages when we get out, but Kevin and Bernie have been waiting patiently to get on. So, Kevin, uh, what thoughts do you have for us after this 3-1 Canucks win? How are you guys doing? Good, man. I don't call in often, but first of all, I just just to let you know I played for the Grandview Steelers for a midget AAA, and I I won the ball hockey championship with uh, against uh, Dominic Hasting himself. Oh, nice! For the winning goal, so Atta I got boy. my resume. But yeah. but just <laughs> so you know, I know about hockey, just to set you up. But yeah, now I got gotcha. you. The excellent the excellent signs were no points from Miller or Patterson. <laughs> That's a very good sign. Those two lines did nothing on the point sheet, obviously. And Tockett was my favorite player growing up, so I bought a, a Canucks jersey with Tockett in the back. Oh, very good. <laughs> but but you got to think about really, really dive into that Hughes goal. 
the Hughes goal, I mean, sorry, the Hughes pass, he went from his right hand, dragged it to his strong hand, eventually taking four players out of the play, and they mm-hmm. passed it to Bluger. Rewind and watch it. Yeah. Within that one movement, I'm sure you guys got that footage right in front of you. Think about that. That's huge. This guy is like on his way upwards, and it's just like finally fun to watch again. Because and everybody actually bought in to the system because like they, most of them are small, right? So they yeah. play fast. You have to play fast, and the guys that hit, you got to hit. But Tockett knows that, so that if Joshua is not gonna, he can't skate fast, so you got to hit. Yeah. You know what I mean. And then, no, uh, GS, or whatever his name, GSP, whatever you guys call him. PDG, yeah, GSP. Yeah, GSP. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he doesn't play as good as, yeah. Yeah, so I've played hockey my whole life, but you got to do what you got to do. Bring it to the dance or else you ain't doing shit, right? Oh, hey, 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 you know what? Hey, thanks for the phone call. Always got to watch what you say, you know. But, but good thoughts, generally speaking. Kevin had some heat. That's all right. That's not too bad. We embrace the takes. Uh, we, embrace we don't takes. want to embrace the language. Yeah. <laughs> hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, uh, let's get a couple of text messages in here. This one from Harge in Surrey. Depth on D is thin. Just one injury to Susie could mean a third pair of Breezebor or Wallanen with McWard or Juleson, and the season hasn't even started yet. Have to think to add someone from waivers. I do think we mentioned this on the shows the past week. I think they're working to add more depth to the blue line to try to add. You know whether that is we have via waivers or a minor trade. And Breezebor is also banged up and. Talkit didn't have much of an up- update on him either. He got tangled up with Brandon Tanev in the Seattle game in, in Abbotsford. So we don't know what his status is. We don't know what Susie's status is. The coach didn't have an update on him either post-game, really. So uh, it does pose a bit of an issue because also quickly, Bick, because t- these two guys, if they aren't ready to start the season but are not injured enough to be on LTIR, it poses real a conundrum for the team because that takes it's up two roster spots tight. and you can't call, especially with how tight the Canucks are up against the cap. They can't just call two guys up unless one or two go on LTIR. So we'll see how long these guys are out. Hopefully it's a short term thing and they're back quickly. Cause if not, it could cause some headaches for the Canucks as they try to trim their roster down to 23 to start the season. Major headaches. Yeah. It could cause, uh, I, I'd have to look at to the spreadsheet set. Yes. But, I'm I'm hard pressed to just early glance. It's it, it's it's tough. It's yeah, a tough reality. It's a tough yeah. So and it might mean something like maybe someone like Nils Olmark kind of gets squeezed out, and so like, hey, we just have to make this work. Yeah, and, and it may. I mean, and that's how a guy like Hoaglander might get into the opening mm-hmm. day lineup, where they have to send somebody down. Like, and I think McWard at this rate is probably going to go down. It would be my guess. I thought Noah Juleson quickly on him. I thought he had a pretty good game. That's the type of game you want to see. Yeah, he was physical, big hit on Coronado. And I thought the moments when he had the puck and had to break out, generally he found the right guy. He made and at least got the the puck out. The first goal, I I don't know how the the NHL group actually um, credits this. Right. Like, technically it's his giveaway because Susie doesn't really touch the puck, but that's on Carson Susie. Yeah. That's like, you've got to position yourself better as that puck comes to you. And he's trying to pivot... Like you got to pivot early and get ready for that. Yeah, you have to receive the yeah. p- you be able to and, receive it. So he makes that pass and it goes right through Susie into the uh, flames. But I, I thought Noah Juleson was solid today. Yeah, I, I don't think he did anything to make them feel bad about starting the season and with him. If that's the, if that's the case, it's the thing we mentioned too. It's he hadn't really got a chance to play at home or with Queen yeah. Hughes see him in an environment where you're not clearly outmatched and you're just kind of catching up into the game and trying to get your bearings straight. So this was a much better performance from uh, Noah Juleson. And, and the one that I look at and say, it's like, okay, that's the type of performance that allows you to put Cole McGord in, in the minors yeah. and give him the development path and say, hey, like, we, we trust you. We're excited for you, but we just want you to play 22 minutes. Yeah, and that's exactly where I'm at with a guy like McQuarrie. Like, I like what, I, what I've seen from him. He needs to go play a lot of hockey. That's the best thing for him. Uh, you know, I wanted to get a shout-out here to uh, the Vancouver Canucks alumni. Uh, they have the Canucks Country Rocks coming up Thursday, October 12th at the Commodore. Um, it is hosted by the Vancouver Canucks alumni in support of the Rick Hansen Foundation. It features Canadian country sensations like Megan Patrick, Aaron Pritchett, uh, Kelly Prescott and more. JoJo Mason will be emceeing. Doors are open at 7 p.m. and the show begins at 8. For tickets and more information, go to CanucksCountryRocks.com. It's for a great cause and check that out. Some great music, a lot of fun as well. Now, Bick, uh, we are back at it again on Wednesday for the postgame show. The Canucks get things going for real against the Edmonton Oilers, and we're back to doing two-hour postgame shows. It's the yeah. preseason, so now that the preseason is over. We've worked on that rust. I actually, yeah. you know, the, the, the first 
preseason game, 10 nothing. Uh, that was we, a tough one. We did the hour, and yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm a little fatigued. I'm a little tired. Today, it's like, I could probably go for another hour. We but could. Energize. Energize. I, I, I've, I've gone through the pregame fitness. I, I'm, I'm good. We worked ourselves into shape, so we're good to go. Uh, let's get a couple text messages in here real quick. This one, Nuck in the Six. For a preseason game, seeing hockey like that was a pleasure and gives, gives me hope. Only preseason, but keep playing that way, and we win more than we lose. And we certainly hope that for the regular season. The preseason had its ups and downs, a lot of downs, but a good way to end it with a 3-1 win over the Calgary Flames. Thanks to everybody listening and participating. As always, we appreciate every single text message coming through, and for all you who are avid listeners to the Canuck Central Post Game Show. For our producer back at the station, Fast Eddie Gregory, Josh Elliott Wolf, Bick Nazar, I'm Satyar Shah. This has been the Canuck Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.